0: Romans chapter 4. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. We'll start right into our passage tonight. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here again tonight. Father, it's a great privilege to spend some time in your word and to study it, and I pray that it would be helpful and it would be a challenge to us tonight. Father, you've given us great examples in the Bible, and you've helped us understand who you are and for what our purpose is here. And so I pray that you would help us as we look at your word again tonight that it would be, again, a challenge and a change in our lives moving us forward. We love you. Thank you so much for all you do for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Romans chapter 4. I want you to think back to grade school. That was a few years ago for some of you. All right. Think back to grade school when you had a math problem. Okay. How many of you enjoy math? And he, oh, wow, lots of mathematicians, all right? I was always fairly good at math, but I did not like math, all right? I didn't care for it. I'd never really loved it. But I remember back to when my teacher was trying to introduce a new subject or a, a new principle in math, and I remember the thought process going, oh, no, not something new, right? She would begin to teach us about division, multiplication. Uh, we got into geometry and then algebra, and then from there, you would get into trigonometry and calculus and all of these different things and really advanced math and all kinds of crazy stuff that you would get into. And I remember when we started this, this process and remember trying something new, in every lesson, there was always examples. Always examples. Okay. There would be an example of the problem and they would, you, I remember looking at it going, wow. I have no idea how we're going to accomplish this. I have no idea how they got that answer. And I remember there, was se- there would be several examples. And that first one, my teacher would take us and walk us through it. Just walk us through step by step and as to why we did what and just really spend some time on that example. And then she would go through another one. And then She would go through another one, and then she would go through another one, and then when the book was all done with examples, guess what she would do? She would go up to the board and start writing out examples and walking us through them and beginning to help us understand them and go through each and every one until the pattern became clear to us as to how to solve the problem. I remember I was grade, I think grade 10, I was doing geometry in in high school math and there's these things called proofs. Anybody remember these? They're terrible. And I remember the first little bit, it was, like, it was like somebody was speaking another language. But then, time after time, my teacher, I can remember his name, Mr. Gallagher, he would go through and go through and go through, and finally, it just clicked. And then every proof from that time on was very easy. There were some people that took longer. Some people got it even faster than I did. All these different things, but we would go through examples. Once it was explained and multiple examples were gone through, the pattern became clear to help me solve the problems. Now, obviously, all of the problems were not all the same, right? Wouldn't that have been nice? If they were just all the same, you got all the same answer every single time, that would be really nice. But the pattern of solving the problem was the same. By the way, this is much the same thing we see in the Word of God. A lot of times we'll be confronted with a new problem and a new uh, a step in Scripture, and we'll be like, okay, how are we going to tackle this problem? And the reality is, God has given us the Word of God, He's given us many things in the Old Testament for our example for our learning. Romans chapter 15 of verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I remember, oh man, I need some help. And have, okay, tell me, was anybody like me and knew that the answers were in the back of the book? Right? Oh, I knew it, and I tried my best not to look there, but there were a few times. I want you to get the picture of this this evening we have the the end of the book. We have the answers in the book and we can see that there are problems that are going to arise in our lives and there are examples for us. First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 6 and 11. Now these things were our examples to the intent that to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now all these things happened unto them for and samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The Old Testament, the things written aforetime, were written for our learning. Many in the things of the Old Testament have been written as an example to follow, and many of them don't do this. This is what they did. Stay away from that. Many of us look at the problems of the world today, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm quite scared, right? I look at the problems of the world today, and I'm like, this is a new one. I've never got gone here before. I've never seen anything like this, and I'm like looking at it. How in the world do we get through this? Praise the Lord, we have a teacher, the Word of God, that will help us and walk us through all of these things. In the Old Testament, we have example after example after example of how God can change the known world through one man or one small group. You think of Noah. You think of Joseph. You think of Moses. You think of Daniel. You think of David. You think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think of Peter. You think of James. You think of John. You think of the 12 apostles as a whole. You think of Paul. You think of Silas. You think of Barnabas. And literally, the list could go on and on and on and on. We could go on of kings we could go on of judges. We could go on of other disciples of Jesus Christ who were our examples. They are our examples of a surrendered life making a difference for the cause of Christ. We could talk of more modern day men such as Spurgeon, Moody, Billy Sunday, John and Charles Wesley, Martin Luther, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Adonai and Judson, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller. Again, the list could go on and on and on and on. All of these people are are our examples. And our passage today is once again used of Paul as an example. Paul is no stranger to using examples. And again, remember Paul is trying to introduce a new concept. The new concept is the law is done over. Now we're adding to the law with faith and grace. So he's literally trying to build upon just like a math problem, right? I I hated that math built because if you didn't get one spot, you were going to miss the next. And here Paul is doing the same thing. I'm building upon our history, and now I want you to see faith, and he's using an example. All the way through Romans chapter 4, Paul has been using the example of Abraham. And he's been doing that to help the Jews and us see how salvation is by faith. Salvation is by faith. It It is not of works. It is only in the work of God. And so Paul is going to wrap this chapter up by once again drawing the parallel between Abraham and us. Romans chapter 4, we kind of read the last couple of verses, but I want to just give you a little bit of context. So look at verse 21 of Romans chapter 4, the Bible says this, and being fully persuaded, That what he, he is referring to Abraham, or excuse me, he is referring to God, he had promised he was able also to perform. So Abraham trusted in the Lord. Abraham believed God. Abraham said I'm fully persuaded that what God has promised me, he is going to perform it. And verse 22 says, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. It was imputed to him for righteousness. Now verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. This is an awesome passage and I love it. I want to begin here in verse 23. Verse 23, I want you to notice this word. Now it was not written. I want you to notice this word, written. Okay, a lot of times we think that the Bible is a good storybook. And and some of the things in there are applicable to us. And some of the things in there are just, uh, you know, we can just kind of toss aside and we can push aside. And listen, there are things written specifically to Abraham. This was written specifically to Abraham. And it was written specifically for him, but notice it was not written for his sake alone. The things in the Word of God are written for our learning. Yes, all the way from Genesis, even the book of Numbers. How many of you enjoyed the book of Numbers? It's not overly exciting, is it? The book of Leviticus is like, whoa. Like, there's a lot of rules, right? All of these things, yes, I know they apply to the children of Israel. Yes, I know they apply to different areas of our, of the, of the world and of the times. But I want you to understand, every one of them was not just written for them alone. It was written for a purpose and for every generation to learn from. So now it was not written for his sake alone. Well, what was it written? I want you to notice this part. That it was imputed to him. So what was written? I want you to jump back to verse 22. And therefore it, being uh, uh, his faith, his belief, was imputed to him for righteousness. The very next verse, now it was not written for his sake alone. I want you to understand, the Bible tries to be very clear. Paul's trying to be very clear. The imputation of righteousness was not written for the sake of just Abraham. It was written for all. Genesis chapter 15 and verse six, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Again, Genesis, that's back in Genesis chapter 15. Again, why would God write this in the Bible? Why would he put this in here? Again, just to tell us a nice story about someone in ancient times? No. It was written for us. Look at verse 24. Here it is. But for us also. This is so important because I think as we study our Bibles and as we look, and it's easy for us to go, well, I don't really want to follow that. I really don't want to learn from that. I I just want to push that aside. I don't like that portion of Scripture. Listen, every piece of Scripture written in the Word of God is to help us. Yes, it was directly applied to Abraham. Yes, it was directly applied to the children of Israel. But it is to aid in our learning. Everything written in the book is important. It's for us. But I want you to notice this part, the second part. To whom it shall be imputed. To whom it shall be imputed. I want you to notice this word whom and the fact that it is moving forward. It is futuristic. Shall be is future moving forward. Okay, grammar is important. I was just talking to somebody about English. I hate English. I hate school, okay? Let's just put it that way. The only thing I really enjoyed was history. But the reality is grammar is important. Notice, it's for us also to whom it shall be imputed. Futuristically speaking, in the future it is written. So from Abraham in the future. What does this mean? This is a promise. This is a future promise that there will be others after Abraham that will have righteousness imputed unto them. This is, a, if you will, a guarantee. A promise of the Lord. This is taking the check to the bank and cashing it. Have you ever had a check bounce on you? It's the most lovely feeling in all the world. I, I haven't written a check and I don't know how long. But now there's this thing in my account that's called NSF, non-sufficient funds. And they, they, I can't believe it. They charge you an extra $40 when there's an NSF. Like that makes total sense, doesn't it? You have no money in your account, so let's take another $40. It just makes you feel so wonderful. But listen, this is not that at all. This is God's promise that there is going to be imputation of righteousness coming to people in the future. This, is impu- is, this shall be imputed. What do we have to do to have, in right, have righteousness imputed unto us? So I want you to, again, I'm just going to circle this word, but for us also. What do we have to do to have our righteousness, our righteousness imputed unto us? Well, once again, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, this is the key. I want you to notice this word, right, or these two words, right here. We believe. The whole thing that Paul has been talking about thus far has been faith has been faith. Father Abraham is not just the father of the Jews. Father Abraham is the father of faith. He's the father of faith. This is faith. Again, it's all about belief. It's all about being fully persuaded. You can see that again in verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to to perform it is a belief it is believing believing on what him that raised up jesus our lord from the dead now i want to stop here this is the belief not in anything that we can do how many of you raised up jesus christ from the dead how many of you put jesus on the cross that'd be all of us all of us put jesus on the cross All of us, our sins, placed Him on that cross. But not one of us raised Him from the dead. This is the belief in the work of God through Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. Righteousness can be imputed unto us, notice, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. If we believe in the work of God through Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about this. This is very, very clear. We can have the same righteousness if we believe in the work of God through Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question. By whose power did Jesus rise from the dead? By whose power did Jesus rise from the dead? A lot of times we just call it out. We just say, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Let me ask you again, by whose power did Jesus rise from the dead? By God's power. Galatians chapter 1. Let's do a little bit of a Bible study here. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. This is important. I believe it's important, and I'll try to explain this later, but I want you to notice this. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, notice, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Okay, so I am a called apostle by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Who raised Jesus Christ from the dead? God the Father. Let's continue. Colossians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 21, or excuse me, verse 12. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible says this: buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. Through the faith of the, notice this, the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Again, it's the work of God. It's not the work of Jesus Christ. At this point, it is the work of God. Notice that, that is, this is going to be so important a little bit later on. This is the work of God. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 18, the Bible says this, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory, that your faith and hope might be in who? God. That It doesn't say that your faith and hope might be in Jesus. It says that your faith and hope might be in God. Now, I'm not trying to preach heresy, so don't get all tied up yet. But I want you to notice what the Bible says. The Bible says that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. The Bible doesn't say that. Why do you think the Bible is so adamant about saying that God rose Jesus from the dead? Let me try to clue you in. Jesus' entire earthly goal was not to just die on the cross. Don't I'm not preaching heresy yet, okay? At least, I'm, at least I've got you uh, interested into what I'm gonna say. Jesus' entire earthly goal was not just to die on the cross. Don't miss this. His entire earthly goal was to point people to the Father. His entire earthly goal was to point people to the Father. Let's go there. John chapter seventeen. John chapter 17 and verse 1. This is the famous prayer of Jesus to His Father. John chapter 17 and verse 1. The Bible says this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Notice, glorify Thy Son. Why? Why? that thy Son may also glorify thee. See, his goal is, I want to glorify you. Verse 2. As thou hast given him, who? The Son power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Notice verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. Notice the end of verse 4. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This is John chapter 17. He has not died yet. Notice with me in verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I want that same glory back. I want to be one with you. I've manifested, verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. You see, Jesus' goal was to glorify the Father. Don't miss this. Jesus' goal was to glorify the Father. Why did did God raise Jesus from the dead? Because it was by God's power. It was Jesus pointing to God. It was Jesus manifesting God. It was Jesus saying, hey, everybody, look at God. And some of you are saying, well, Jesus was God. Yes, you're correct. John chapter 10 and verse 30. I and my Father are one. Okay, this is so true. But why does the Bible, once again, nuance this in such a specific way? Because the Bible has something that it's trying to teach us. I want you to notice Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. You can turn to these, or they're up on your screen. I'm going to kind of, I guess I don't really need to move quickly, but you can turn there if you'd like. The Bible says this, And he said unto them, this is his, his, his I almost said parents, is Mary and Joseph. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Notice, wished ye not that I must be about my father's business. Notice this, my father's business. This was not about him. This was about his father. He was doing what his father wanted. It was all about his father. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 30. This is Jesus speaking. I can of mine own self do nothing. This is Emmanuel God in the flesh, God with us, saying, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. See, Jesus wasn't seeking his own will. He was seeking to do the will of his Father. He was seeking to do what God had called him to do. John chapter 8 In verse 19, Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Wonderful question. Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. Notice, if ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. You see, Jesus' whole goal was for people to look at him and see the father. Please don't miss this. Jesus' whole goal was for people to look at him and see the Father. Go to John chapter 10 and verse 37. The Bible says this, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. Look at this. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works. Why? That ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. I want you to notice, Father, no believe. The whole point of Jesus' earthly ministry, the whole point of Jesus being here on this earth, the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross, the whole point of Jesus being raised from the dead is to point people to God so that people would see the Father, so that people would see Almighty God. I want to finish this Section with one verse, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, who by him, Jesus, do believe in God. Again, notice that raised him up from the dead. I'm just going to, I'm basically going to underline the whole verse and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. You see, the reality of this whole situation is, we do look at Jesus, and I'm not trying to diminish Jesus at all, but there is a reason why Scripture is so clear. Jesus pointing to the Father. Jesus saying, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus saying, I and my Father are one. Jesus saying, I want to give you the glory. I want to manifest you in this earth. Look at the works that I'm doing. These are the works of my Father. Jesus' entire mission on this earth was to do the will of the Father and to bring glory to His Father. Now, likewise, everything that Abraham went through, guess what? You'll never guess. Pointed to the Father. Everything that Abraham went through ended up bringing him back to the father i want you to go to hebrews chapter 11 with me hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17 The Bible says this. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and, that, and he that had received the promises, notice, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, well, notice verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Again, this is my understanding of Abraham and what God was trying to do. When he took Isaac, his only begotten son, his promised son, and said, I want you to take that only begotten son, and I want you to take him up on a mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. Quite literally, what God was doing was saying, Abraham, do you trust me? Abraham, do you trust me? Abraham, am I thy exceeding great reward? Abraham, is it me and only me whom you trust? Or are you looking at something else? Are you focusing on something else? Abraham, 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 who is it? Are you looking at that son to supply your next seed, or are you looking at me? And listen, we know the story of Abraham, right? Takes him up, takes his son up there and is ready to slay his son. Again, as this passage says, accounting that God. God's gonna raise him up. I don't know how it's gonna work, but he's he's gonna raise him up because this is my promised son. And you see Abraham trusting, giving all by faith, giving all, and saying, God, I trust you completely. And what happens? God stops him and says, You don't have to kill him. You've basically proved yourself and shows him a ram in a thicket. All of this is important. I want you to notice verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. I think over the last four weeks, I think we've hit this verse every single week. But notice it again Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to who? To God must what? Believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Don't miss this tonight. Everything, everything, every step of faith, every time we take a next step Every time we reach out, every time we do uh, uh, what God has called us to do, it's helping us draw closer to God. Every time we exercise our faith, we are taking another step closer to God. And what's happening is we are becoming more and more and more dependent upon Him. Again, as I illustrated Sunday, a lot of times as children, we want children to become more and more independent, which I'm all for. I think we absolutely should. Children should become more and more independent physically. But the reality is, in our lives, we ought to become more and more and more dependent spiritually upon Almighty God. Constantly. Constantly. Paul said, In my weakness, I'm strong. In my weakness, God is strong through me. What's happening is God is helping us to see that our mission on this earth is to do the will of the Father and to bring glory to His name. I believe God is drawing men to Him. The Bible says all men to Him. I believe God desperately wants everything we do to point to Him. Listen, why is it that God is the one that we're supposed to be pointing to? Why is it the one that that Jesus pointed to was God, even though He was God? Because God is the most important thing in all the world. You know that God's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of helping people be reconciled to God. Matthew chapter five and verse sixteen, the Bible says this. Whoops. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the whole goal. And Jesus died. Jesus was raised by God to point to Him. Abraham lived his life pointing people to Christ, pointing people to Almighty God. And guess what? It's not just written for His sake, we're learning from it. We have the example of Abraham. Let's continue on in verse 25 of Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. The Bible says this, talking of Jesus, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. I want you to notice this. He was delivered for our offenses. But I want you to notice this word right here, our. Whose offenses were they? Again, I asked you the question, who raised Jesus from the dead. Not us. Who put him on the cross? That word our. We did. You see, Jesus was arrested for us. He was delivered up to the council. He was delivered up to the Romans to take our place. And I want you to notice this. He was Raised again for our justification. I want you to notice this hour again. Jesus took our place. Jesus took our place. He was arrested for us, He was ridiculed for us. He was despised for us. He was beaten for us. He was hung on the cross for us. He was forsaken by His Father for us. He was raised from the dead for us. He was restored unto His Father for us. He went through all of that so that we could be justified before God through Him. All of that for us who was delivered for our offense and was raised again for our justification. I want you to realize this. Had Jesus never been delivered for our offenses, they never would have killed him. If our offenses never put him on the cross, we would never have this final word right here. Listen, all the beating, all the shame, All the ridicule, all the torture that he went through was nothing compared to having our offenses placed upon him. God turns his back on him and and Jesus cries out, My Father, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? I've done all. I've tried to manifest you. I've tried to glorify you. and You've forsaken me. And only the power of God could push all that aside and conquer death, hell, and the grave and rise again so that we might have justification. What a powerful, awesome God we have. I want to show you one last verse. Matthew, I messed that up, didn't I? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Very simply tonight, Abraham is our example of faith, Jesus is our replacement. Abraham is our example. Jesus is our replacement, but notice, God is our focus. Abraham was our example. Man, we can look at him and go, wow, he was just like me. He messed up, he fell so many times, he ruined his testimony, this, that, and the other thing. He went into the world when he should have stayed with God. He did all kinds of crazy things. He's our example. But Paul ties all of these things together and says, Jesus is our replacement. Jesus took all of that for us so that we might have justification but the righteousness of God and God ought to be our focus. Let me ask you tonight, is God your focus? Is God your focus? And all of the things that we've been talking about, it's not just about Abraham. It's not just about the person of Jesus Christ. It's ultimately about God. I hope that it will ultimately be about God in your life, in everything that you do, and that in everything that you do you'll point people to Him. Next week I want to take some time. I've been studying it already, and I have a whole week to prepare. And I want you to actually study this out as well. I want you to study out what imputed unto righteousness means, or counted it as righteousness. Romans chapter 4 talks much about it. And I'm I'm excited about what I've already studied, but I want you to do a little bit of study on that this week, and hopefully we'll come back and we'll, we'll have some things, but I want you to go all the way through the Bible with it. Imputed righteousness, or counted unto him for righteousness. That'll be our study next week as we move, uh, but just before we move into chapter 5, all right? Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you so much for being here. Father, I pray that you would give us an awesome night tonight. I pray that You would help us as we think about what Your Word has to say. Father, that the reality is that You are the most important thing in all the world. You are the most important thing ever. Father, Your Word is so important. You've magnified Your Word above Your name. You raised Jesus from the dead. and I'm not trying to say that jesus was not important by all means he was he he is god in the flesh but father it was all the point to you father help us to have that same passion help us to have that same mission help us to have that same goal to glorify you and to manifest you to the people around us father that you would be pleased that you would be glorified through our lives just like Abraham eventually was. And he messed up. He did some things wrong. He blew it. And Father, there are going to be times where we blow it. We're going to mess up. Father, would you lift us up? A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Would you please lift us up? Continue to help us and guide our steps as we take the next steps forward. Continue to grow our faith and draw us closer to you. And We pray all these things in Jesus' name.